It's Thursday, November 14th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. It's all the rage these days at the impeachment inquiry on Capitol Hill. We'll explain why the diplomats you're hearing from lately are so concerned about the U.S.'s relationship with Ukraine. Then, why Google is hoping you'll fill up your Google cash with cash money. And finally, apparently wild cows are better swimmers than we are. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Quip. Unless your months-long media cleanse ended today, you probably know that the impeachment inquiry hearings into the president have gone public. They begin yesterday and pick up again tomorrow, and continue all next week. It's basically Ukraine all day, every day. Everyone testifying is an official or diplomat who in one way or another is connected to U.S. policy on Ukraine. So today we're going to take a step back and look at why Ukraine has been so important to the U.S. and how the impeachment inquiry is showing how that long-term relationship is being put to the test. First, it's important to understand that the U.S. and Ukraine go way back. During the Cold War, Ukraine was behind the Iron Curtain. That was a term used to describe the boundary of communism in Europe. On one side of the curtain was Western Europe. On the other side was the Soviet Union, now Russia, and places under its influence, like Eastern Germany, Hungary, Poland, and Ukraine. After the fall of the Soviet Union, The U.S. stepped up to help Ukraine develop a free market economy and build its democracy from the ground up. That included helping fight corruption in Ukraine and normalizing trade relations to give Ukraine's economy a boost. And Ukraine took steps to help the U.S. out too. In the 90s, Ukraine gave up its nuclear weapons stockpile, which had been built during the Soviet era, to attack the U.S. Talk about symbolic. Then, in 2003, Ukraine even deployed troops to support the U.S. war in Iraq, and for a few years had the fourth most troops of any country in that war. That definitely won them some U.S. brownie points. In late 2013, Ukraine was even in talks to join the European Union and take a step even further from Russia. But then Ukraine's pro-Russia president made a controversial decision to call off talks with the EU. Thousands of people flooded the streets in protest, and the global media was captivated. That became known as the Euromaidan Revolution. It was a pretty black-and-white example of Ukraine being pulled in two directions, between its historic ties to Russia and a possible future closer to Europe. The U.S. landed really strongly in favor of Ukraine moving towards Europe. Republican U.S. Senator John McCain even showed up at the protest to make that point extra clear. Here he was in footage shot by The Guardian. The free world is with you. America is with you. I am with you. And the destiny you seek lies in Europe. After months of protest, Ukraine's pro-Russian president fled the country. But that was hardly the end of the drama because Russia was about to get involved in Ukraine in a whole new way. In early 2014, Russian troops quietly deployed to Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula, which is on the Black Sea. And in a matter of days, Russia pulled off what some say is the most successful invasion of territory in modern times. By mid-March, Russia declared the territory to be its own. 
A lot of countries condemn that as illegal. But Russia's kind of had the last laugh here, since it still controls Crimea. In the next month, Russian-backed troops started seizing government buildings and territory in eastern Ukraine. Before long, a full-on war between these troops and the Ukrainian army broke out. Russia's invasion of Ukraine caused people to start wondering what Russian President Vladimir Putin might do next and who else might be at risk. To push back against Russia, the U.S. and its partners in Europe did a few things. First, they poured billions of dollars of economic and security aid into Ukraine. Second, Washington put sanctions on Russia to try to hurt its economy and send a message. In 2015, President Obama went to the UN to spell out what that message was. We cannot stand by when the sovereignty and territorial integrity of a nation is flagrantly violated. If that happens without consequence in Ukraine, it could happen to any nation gathered here today. But in terms of actually helping Ukraine fight back against Russia, President Obama had a more mixed record. Even though Congress gave the U.S. permission to sell lethal weapons to Ukraine in 2014, that didn't happen. And Obama was criticized for not sending Ukraine equipment it could use on the front lines. Which brings us to some of the Ukraine-related drama we're learning about during the impeachment inquiry. When President Trump came into office, he promised to change things and do what President Obama didn't. In late 2017, his administration gave the thumbs up for the U.S. to sell Ukraine key battlefield weapons. Like a lot of past U.S. policies on Ukraine, this move got bipartisan support. The Washington Post editorial board called the decision a good example of President Ronald Reagan's peace-through-strength mentality from the Cold War. So that made it all the more surprising when nearly $400 million in U.S. military aid to Ukraine was suddenly put on hold this year. This is one of the things that the impeachment inquiry has been all about. According to some officials and diplomats who've testified so far, they believed the reason was because President Trump wanted Ukraine to launch an investigation into Joe Biden's son and others, and that Ukraine wouldn't get the aid until that happened. The official explanation from the White House is different. Trump has defended calling for these investigations because he says, we're just trying to fight corruption, plain and simple. And he's right in the fact that the U.S. has been helping Ukraine fight corruption for years. But if the U.S.'s new policy was conditioning military support on fighting corruption, that was apparently news to some of our top diplomats, including the U.S.'s acting ambassador to Ukraine, who testified yesterday. Other Ukraine experts are equally worried about the administration's sudden shift in rhetoric behind closed doors and now publicly. Nina Jankowitz is a fellow at the Wilson Center and an expert on democracy in Eastern Europe. For a long time, Ukraine has enjoyed bipartisan support on Capitol Hill. And from the hearings yesterday, I wonder if that is still the case, because we're seeing Ukraine be painted as this absolutely hopelessly corrupt nation, when in reality, the United States has been the main partner for the past 30 years in order to bring Ukraine's democratic reforms to fruition. And without the U.S.'s support on that front, it may be harder for Ukraine to achieve the democratic reforms it's been hoping for, and which many people think are in the U.S.'s best interests. So what's the skim? The impeachment inquiry into President Trump is putting Ukraine into the headlines big time. And the history here matters. The U.S. has been a top supporter of Ukraine since its independence in the 90s, and bipartisan support for Ukraine became even more visible after Russia invaded Ukraine in 2014. That war is far from over, 
which helps explain why Jankowitz says the Trump administration's decision to put military aid for Ukraine on hold came as such a surprise. 13,000 people have died because they want a right to self-determination, territorial integrity, sovereignty, and the right to live their lives in dignity and have their voices be heard by their government. I can't think of anything more American than that. One person who may be able to shed more light on the shifting dynamics in the U.S.-Ukraine relationship is Marie Yovanovitch. She's the former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, who was reportedly called back from her post earlier this year by the Trump administration for political reasons. And she's the next witness being called to testify at the impeachment inquiry. You can catch her on C-SPAN tomorrow morning, bright and early, at 9 a.m. Eastern. TGIF. Coming up, why Google wants to get even more involved in all aspects of your life. That's next. We could all use help with better dental habits. That means brushing for two minutes twice a day and flossing regularly, no matter what brand you use. Enter Quip. Quip makes good habits simple, starting with an electric toothbrush, refillable floss, and anti-cavity toothpaste. And if you go to getquip.com slash skimthis right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash skimthis, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash skimthis. Quip, the good habits company. It's Skim Money Thursday, where we look at some of the big headlines of the week and explain how they could affect your wallet. This week, we're looking at Google's new partnership with banks to offer users a checking account. They're calling it Google Cash, like your search cash, but also like cash money. Before we go any further, we want to point out that GV, formerly Google Ventures, is a minority investor in the skim. A lot of big tech companies have been getting into the money game recently. Apple has a credit card, and Facebook plans to launch a cryptocurrency. Here's how Google Cash will work. It'll link Google Pay accounts to checking accounts managed by Citigroup. It's basically another way for Google to be omnipresent in your life. Your personal planner, your preferred browser, your go-to search engine, and now, the place you stash your money. Meanwhile, Citi would handle all the financial compliance stuff, which could help keep government regulators happy. But Google already has a lot of our data, and some people are worried about how secure banking info will actually be. The company says it won't sell your financial info, but it hasn't said it won't use its inside look at your spending habits to improve its ad targeting. And if you're worried about money, the convenience of Google Cash might make spending your money a bit too easy, because money is still money, even with a Google logo. To learn more about how Google Cash affects your wallet, head on over to theskim.com money. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact for you from Cedar Island, North Carolina. If you've ever visited the island, you may have spotted a wild horse or a cow grazing the land. But after Hurricane Dorian hit in September, many of the wild horses on the island, as well as the cows, were believed to have drowned and died. Now locals say some of these wild cows have been found alive, miles away, at a national park in the Outer Banks. Officials say they think the cows swam there from Cedar Island during the hurricane and were laying low until someone spotted them. Now they're safe and sound. Three cheers for the cows. 
And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to add the Skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day, right in your inbox.